Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And we are at the beginning of December, which means a big run for awards season. A lot of films actually coming out in uh, December. I feel like we had kind of a little quieter October. <clears throat> Started picking up steam here at the end of November and December. There's just a whole bunch of things. Not all things arrive in all places at the same time. Uh, but Eric and I are looking forward to covering some of the big releases. So this week, we actually have three movies uh, that we're going to touch on. A couple of them you can see in theaters. One of them you can grab on Netflix. I think all three of them could potentially be factors in end-of-year awards. Uh, but we will talk about that as we go through. We're going to kick it off with the one that I, I ended with last week. I mentioned how much I enjoyed Disney's Wish, uh, which opened up just uh, in time for Thanksgiving a real celebration of 100 years of Disney animation, a lot of uh, Easter eggs in there, Ariana Dubois and Chris Pine, some of the lead vocals. I really enjoyed the music. I gave it a solid thumbs up last week. Eric was very interested in it the last two weeks. He actually got a chance to see it, and I'm hoping we're on the same page. Yeah, we are. I gave it one thumb up, but it's, 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 I wanted to give it two thumbs up and am disappointed that I can't. I, there's something about the idea behind this movie that I'm is kind so of the exciting. Same as you, I, in your yeah. heart, like I had so much fun with it, but I feel yeah. like one thumb up. Yeah. I, 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 I gotta admit, I want this to be all 2D. I want to see the version of this movie that is just 2D. I like some the way that they landed in between. I, I I just just one or the other, but my preference would be the two. The 2D elements really stuck out to me. But wish in general, the the prop the 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 idea of uh, this is like the the source core story of a hundred years of magic and how like good and evil kind of originated. It's, it's such an exciting, cool concept. And yet it's like kind of, I, I talked about this in a, in a, a TikTok, but um, I, it has this pacing issue that a lot of Disney animated features have where things move a, like a million miles an hour. Characters go through arcs like that. And I, I really like the character Dahlia because she kind of, to me, felt the most grounded and like realistic. That's the friend that works for the king. Um, but yeah, long story short, the way that everybody turns on this land that they were born into or traveled to to escape from the rest of the world, the, like the speed of that, especially the queen walking in mid-song and suddenly saying, I'm with you and singing the song with them. It was like, whoa, okay. Like there's just a lot of few things. It just they had been kind of building to her, to her doing. They that. had been, yes. It's and honestly, if she had just walked in and they had kept singing and she wasn't singing with them, I wouldn't feel weird about it. It was something about her like already being in the song when she walks in. It was just a little like oh, like I don't know. There was so I like I genuinely I really felt, liked the music though. I liked the themes, mm -hmm. but I can't pick out like one song. Uh, the main, the main song about making her wish. Um, yeah, that you have re refrained a couple of times, including in the climax. I really, I thought was their best one. I would guess that will probably be the one that goes um, to Oscars because 
you know, it hasn't been an impeccable year for original music uh, for me. I, you know, I was starting to think about like, oh, I wonder what original songs I, oh, I, you know, usually you have one or two that have at least hammered home to you. I guess I'll have to see what even qualifies what might be the list. There's um, one over the closing credits of the Hunger Games that I actually really liked. Um, But usually you have one or two that are in big summer movies, and I'm sure a couple of the ones from Barbie will go. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, especially the Ken song. But yeah, I I liked the music in Wish. Yeah. Yep. It was enjoyable. The whole thing was like... by the end, I was so invested in, in the core idea that I got really emotional when she got everybody to start singing. And yeah, uh, yeah so it was, it was well, cool. and that's the, thing, I, the criticisms I've seen from people that criticize felt like it was just too much pandering to the fact that it's Disney 100. And there is a lot in there that celebrates Disney 100. You begin with... Um, you know, that little short with Walt Disney talking about the foundation of, of Walt Disney animation. And obviously over the end credits, you see tributes to all of their big animated films throughout the year. But this is a film that can stand on its own. I I liked the characters. I liked the idea of, you know, is it better to have these wild dreams, even if you're never going to be able to achieve them because they keep you going and they keep you being who you are or to surrender those dreams for contentment essentially, or for a life without struggle. And that's, that's that was so a life without struggle is probably the clearest definition, but that right there, that blank part is where I think it could have gone from a one thumb up to a two thumb up. If that was clearer. Yeah. I still love the goat. Who knew my voice would be this low? That was, uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Well, from one that is uh, perfect for the family uh, to one that will probably have your family asking a lot of questions. And that would be uh, the big release from Netflix this week. Uh, you know, they had a, uh, a holiday release on Thursday, but their big release was May, December, which is uh, one of the films that they're definitely going to be pushing for award season. Netflix has had a really robust um, push this award season. In November, they released a lot of different things. You know, we got Niad that came out that I'm sure that they they are hope have hopes for the Killer and Rustin. December, we have two more. We have another one from Sam Esmail next week, and then Maestro, which is probably going to be one of their biggest releases that comes uh, a little bit closer to Christmas. But May December from Todd Haynes, uh, a, a director who has made some interesting, uh, sometimes controversial films. This one is loosely based on the concept of the Mary Kay Letourneau story. And if you're thinking that's not exactly the kind of thing that I want to dive into, um, well, yeah, I understand. Uh, This basically jumps ahead to look at a woman who was 36 who had an affair with a 13-year-old boy, that resulted in the implosion of her life and her marriage and her family jumps ahead 24 years later where the woman and the young boy who have the affair are now married and their own kids are about to, their youngest children are about to graduate from high school. Julianne Moore plays that character, Charles uh, Melton, 
and plays her um, husband, her much younger husband. Natalie Portman is an actress who comes to kind of study the family or learn something about the family because they're making a movie about when the affair actually happened. And there, to me, there was so many opportunities with this kind of a story to explore a whole bunch of different things. This movie touches on a whole bunch of different topics, but it feels like almost always at a surface level. I enjoyed Natalie Portman's performance. Um, she's very different than what you think at the beginning, a very manipulative uh, character, a very mercurial character. I really enjoyed some of Melton's performance, and I would have actually liked to dive into a little bit of the pathology of a character like that, that they, they touch on the outer edges of what that would have done to him as now a 37 year old adult whose kids are all out of the house, who's married to a super unstable woman. That's 20 plus years older than him. Uh, you know, they could have explored what it did to those kids who, you know, certainly were the, the product of some, intense scrutiny um, in this fictional reality. The couple never actually leaves the small Georgia town where this all took place. Uh, they could have explored the impact that it had on her other four adult children. Sometimes you get small pieces of that uh, with one of her kids in particular. My problem with this as a film, and the reason I'm going to give it thumbs neutral, is because it introduces a lot of ideas and doesn't, to me, make a comment on any of them sufficiently. Yeah. Um, May, December feels like a filmmaker got interested in a story, a real life story. And it was a very touchy subject that they didn't know how to approach. So they made a movie about someone involved in film who gets interested in a story that's about a very touchy subject and they're not sure how to approach it. They, <laughs> they made the story kind of about themselves. And that is kind of, to me, a, a barrier. It's like I'm, I'm supposed to be... The weird thing is that the lens we're viewing this through is Natalie Portman. It's 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 Charles Melton and in reaction to him, Julianne Moore, that hit me really hard. I thought Charles Melton took a an extremely difficult like position to play to try and, and give some kind of representation to someone who's been in this unique position and in an extreme setting and the way that he plays cracking open this metaphor with the um, insects that he's trying to, to save. Um, I, I do feel like there's enough there for me of his story, for me to give this one thumb up that it's sort of like his character as he's been in a relationship and his children have been in school has been in his own sort of cocoon. And he's questioning now, what is his life going to be now that he's not, so absorbed with the raising his children and, and Julian Morris, his wife aspect of his life. And it's like this idea that he has is now free. 
and has so much joy for his children. I think he plays so many of the emotions in a way that feels truthful, but I can't possibly know because even though there was a real story to explore, they didn't totally base this on it. Like it's just, <sighs> and I get, you know, I, I, you know, not needing a biopic, but let me ask you, I, there's a couple of things. There are some incredible shots in this. There are some incredible craft, incredible cinematography. Then there's the score, which to me, a lot of times if I notice your score, either it's breathtakingly beautiful or it's incredibly out of place. And this, a number of times, I really felt myself noticing the score thinking that it felt like the score for some kind of a horror movie, while the movie I was watching didn't necessarily convey that, and at uh, other times felt a little too campy. I couldn't help but think afterward, I might have almost been interested if they would have tackled this story and stripped Natalie Portman's character and that whole storyline out of it. If we were just seeing... You know the family at that exciting moment. incident here because you almost don't get enough because of all the pieces they're interjecting like julianne moore's son from her previous marriage Corey michael smith who is a singer and is unbalanced and also seems to be her buddy in weird malicious mischief you know when you get to the end like is that supposed to be like a weird twist or i can't i can't tell i feel like julianne moore is playing a character that has had to settle a lot of cognitive dissonance she's had to make decisions that she believes things in order to live with herself and decisions that she's made and you see that the way that she stonewalls uh joe's character when he tries to he tries to start questioning things the way that she shuts things down. And, and it's that last ominous speech to Natalie Portman where you get the impression that she knows what happened. And she's just like, no, my life is exactly the way I want it to be and is going to stay exactly the way I want it to be because that's how I survived and that's how I did what I wanted to do. And that line where she's so calm that she is manipulative, but like the manipulation is sort of over and we're living in the world she's built for herself. It's that to me was the music. The, that, that creeping sense of ever, something here is wrong constantly. So to me, that I, it worked. I've seen plenty of people complaining like, and I definitely, you couldn't not notice it. I sometimes was distracted from what I was actually watching by the music happening and you don't want that. But every time you started with that like sort of beat rhythm sound, I, I just sort of like, it's triggered me to start thinking like, what what am I supposed to be afraid of right now and start looking for things and start to evaluate why characters are doing what they're doing. And that's how I came to sort of think of Natalie Portman's character and her motives and started to pick up on that. She's not exactly an innocent bystander in this. And I don't know. It's, it's the movies, well, I, the movies twisted. She was borderline evil. 
Yeah. I go back and forth about what your ultimate takeaway is supposed to be for Julianne Moore's character. I will say, you know, she's a fantastic actress and we've seen her do just some really great roles and she's done some really great work in other Todd Haynes films. Um, was it far from heaven? I think was one of his, uh, where she's, uh, she and Dennis Quaid and Dennis Haysbert are in there. I think of that one from the early two thousands, but I didn't really resonate with this character or this performance much. Um, and so that was a little bit harder. I would, I really, it's probably because I resonated more with, with Melton and the potential exploration of that character. And I just don't feel like we got enough or a super complete arc there. And, and I would have been interested in, you know, what are the ramifications for the children or, you know, briefly you get a pop-up with her first ex-husband. What, what were the ripples in his life? You know, you start to touch on some of that and then it just almost is quickly over. And I almost think they picked, you know, they brought in the Natalie Portman actress character so that they could at least touch on all these other things. Cause they couldn't figure out how, to organically, you know, could we not just get a two-hour slice of life with yeah. with this couple? It was a good sort of framing device for asking uncomfortable questions, an actress trying to prepare for that mindset, but then they didn't use it to answer those questions. Yeah, so this is this is why I, I thought I had a lot of potential, and it has some really good pieces. You know, Melton, I think one. Uh, best supporting actor at the Gotham Awards last week. You know, I th I think he'll definitely be in play here. I could see Natalie Portman because there are a couple of like really kind of vindictive moves her character plays that that she pulls off pretty well, and that closing scene is intensely creepy, like intensely creepy, yeah. um, and that's because she's doing a fantastic job, not just because of. I mean, the subject, the what's happening is creepy, but she's she's very good in that part. So I could see it competing. I just wasn't as taken with it as an overall film project. Mm -hmm. uh, which leads us to our last one, Dream Scenario, uh, an A24, a very interesting concept film. It is playing in theaters now. It opened limited release kind of uh, at the tail end of Thanksgiving. I think it went a little wider this week uh, features Nicolas Cage in a very interesting performance as a sort of uh, middle of the road professor who's remarkable for being completely unremarkable. Uh, he starts popping up in everyone's dreams at first as something of a strange bystander during a traumatic dream events. And then later those dreams take on a new life of their own. At first, it makes him a celebrity, and then quickly public sentiment turns, and he becomes a pariah and sees his life blown up. I thought that was all fascinating. I really kind of enjoyed Nicolas Cage in this, and then we got to a third act, and for me, it jumped right off the rails, uh, and I was not really taken with the third act, uh, especially an introduction of... A technological piece and some cameos that I didn't really understand how it fit with the first part of the story they were telling. And then you kind of just peter out a little bit for me at the end. This is another one, I, you know, I'm tempted to go down, but I'm just going to give it 
neutral. I liked uh, Cage here. I liked the idea at first, um, but I thought it just fizzled for me. So I'm giving this one a pretty hard thumbs up, actually. So I'm, I'm curious about there might be a little back and forth here on this one, um, because I do think I sort of had to piece together. This is the common theme of the day is very exciting concept, very questionable execution. And like, but this is the strongest I felt of, of the three. This is the most competent execution of an idea. But the trick is that I couldn't totally piece together what the idea was until very late in the movie. So where you were turned off to the concept, I think I became, I, I started to decide that I understood the concept around that point in the movie as being current day's pursuit of fame and attention and living in, in like a, a not quite this, this celebrity yeah, status. And I think they were making a commentary on cancel culture too. That's, I, I think that's a part of it. It's, it's the way that, that, famous has a different flavor to it and it, it's dealing with a new kind of celebrity and the way that we do and we don't understand people the moment that got me was when he gives his appeal he puts his reaction online to having a dream of his own that is traumatic and his wife standing in the hallway saying that it was embarrassing his sincere attempt to reach out and empathize and address and, and the sincerity in communicating as much as this character can be when he's not, he's not being totally natural Nicholas Cage. He's playing a little bit quirky Nicholas Cage, but I thought it was really right for the, the role. But um, just the way that he, he was like begging for a human under like, like empathy and understanding and just, it felt so correct that she was just like this. This is would just make people really upset, and this is like, I, like I, it seems like that's the way things sort of work. The only issue I really have with the movie is they pose this, and I don't know what this is supposed to suggest in a way that he's completely innocent. Like if if we understood a little bit more about how this supernatural element is coming into the world of being able to ask people's access people's dreams and we found out that nicholas cage had some agency in being in people's dreams i th think we'd have a but little more to work with that's almost what they imply in the end without ever then kind of. explaining that and the whole and then moving into the the dream warriors that or dream team that can go in there and put ads in yeah and it was just then too weird for um, me a little yeah. bit at the end i liked the the absolute closing sequence where he was then trying to use this but but i could have done without some of the wandering roads there the interlude with the uh young secretary at the advertising agency, which I just thought was uncomfortable and weird. Um, well, and then I I ultimately didn't feel like it went anywhere or served any purpose. I don't know why this is the person I think about, but do you know, Chris Crocker? 
the leave Britney alone person. Mm-mm. This is this is this is not from early internet, but this is from like mid late two thousands, the beginnings of meme culture internet. Uh, it's it's where uh, Star Wars kid with the broom, you know, like kind of was it like these people who were on Daniel Tosh's Tosh point or whatever. Like these are all ten year old or more references at this point. I'm gonna but, break your heart, but I've actually never seen that show. That's fine. That doesn't break my heart at all. I've barely watched it. But, I, you know, it's the I, concept of it was that these people who gained an internet fame, where are they now? Um, th- there's a kid, there's another meme that gingers do have souls, like South Park parodied this person. And that kid went to school right near where I live. And um, it's it's this idea that the way the world would react to this bizarre unique thing that happens to an individual is find a way to commercialize it and the idea of living in nicholas cage's perspective and having to watch from the eyes of someone like a chris crocker or somebody like that the way that the world commodifies you for something personal that happened to you that you can't control anymore like that demonizes you almost yes like it's it's like you're not a real and person. And I didn't have a problem with that part. That actually was was somewhat fascinating to me. But just when you're getting to like, there's the, the interlude with the advertising girl that didn't, that I mentioned didn't totally work for me. And mm-hmm. then just when you're kind of getting to that, then it flips to this commercial for a mm-hmm. product, presumably in the future. Sure. And you had some kind of high-profile actors in that segment. Oh, did they? I see. I didn't recognize anybody. Oh, yes, including like the lead Amber Midthunder, who has done a bunch of things, including being the lead in Prey last year. You know the oh, okay, the Alien prequel, and and so then I'm like, okay, well, they have some some bigger people. If it was meant to be a throwaway scene why did we invest that much and also it came at a weird point in time for it just it disrupted the flow enough for me that then i i was taken out of where like i thought the whole it was concept going. thing yeah okay yeah it, it was, i mean it is a it was a 180 abrupt. from where i thought i was going yeah it's it's a it's a really abrupt change in direction but It just worked for me. The idea that it was taken all of a sudden so far away and removed from him that he's not even a part of the conversation anymore. Like I, I I just bought into like I don't know. I I, and then like like you said for his behalf, I was hoping for some kind of a redemptive arc, which you also don't get. Yeah, you know, I think people like typically even for his own family. Like I, I get not being a redemptive arc for society, but that is you know. bitter. Yes, and you, I agree you with kind that. of jump ahead, and I guess you're left to assume that they got divorced and that he's looking right. for his own house. But his relationship with his kids almost seems a little too quasi normal. Yeah, uh, that where they were was weird to me. And then you know you get to this closing sequence that I actually would have you know, like to ditch the commercial part and seeing, you know, can he make that a go is, did he, 
did he go through all of this not seeking fame, but then getting fame and then trying to hold on to the fame and losing everything only to realize that he was actually happy with the life yes. and family he had before. But that's not really where we yeah, ended no, up. Or we didn't end far. up in a sufficient way and you had this weird tack on idea at the end. And that's for me what 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 drops mm -hmm. it down. Yeah. I probably would have been kind of tracking the same as you. It's not the concept necessarily that bothered me. It was the the end of How the film's hard. execution of this story. And I don't I'm not saying I need resolution for everything. I I don't, you know, some of my favorite no, movies. No, but you have completely a completely lack a yeah you know, drives my wife crazy. I'll be like, that was so beautiful. And she's like, nothing happened. They didn't they didn't <laughs> solve their problem. Like not all life's problems get the solved. movie's not, not over. I'm not 100% that that needs to happen. But this felt like, it almost felt like it, it left mid-sentence. Yeah. Yeah. It worked for me. I'm saying, I'm saying it still worked for me. But and I, it I worked agree. for a lot of people. There are quite a few people that were really smitten with this. And I think that that could end up being an interesting factor toward the, the end of, of award season. Nicholas Cage oh. does a... Does a nice job. Awards. I, I don't. I really with I mean, with what's come know. out this year. I just don't see this becoming. I can see like a, a cult following, like a, not necessarily just the Nicolas Cage following, but a cult following of this movie of people who really get behind the concept. But like while the movie's here, it feels bigger. But I I see it kind of fading into the background with so much coming out in the next month. Uh, I don't, I think, I think a bunch of studios might've accidentally stepped their feet on top of each other and didn't realize it till they put their foot down. And I'm really curious to see what's going to come out of the end of this month with so much stacked on top of itself. Well, and that's what I was saying. A lot of these studios are pumping multiple options all at the end. So this is a 24, a 24 also gave us Priscilla. They have the iron claw, which mm -hmm. comes out. Uh, in December, I feel like there's one other one I'm forgetting. Uh, MGM, which is now part of Amazon, had Saltburn, but they also have American Fiction and The Boys in the Boat. Neon, which is one of the, the stronger independent labels. They, uh, they have mean? Anatomy of a Fall, which is okay. you know one of the international competition films. Uh, they have a, uh, an interesting film, Eileen, that's coming out here. Ferrari is still coming for them. Origin, Ava. Oh, Duper so it's like it's film. all of their Those stuff still all, coming. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Those last three are all, um, and they they have an international film contender. So that's you know Warner Brothers still has Wonka: Color Purple that they're putting out in this last yeah. quarter, and they're pushing Barbie as well. So you're right, a lot of these. I'd mentioned Netflix. They had three pretty big uh, releases that that they're all trying to push, you know. And I can tell because I get the the consideration boxes in November and then December. They have May, December. Um, I think it's like Leave the World Behind that has Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali in a Sam Esmail film, and then they have Maestro on the the twentieth. Yep. We still have just this confluence of a lot. And usually when you get to like that Christmas weekend range, 
you get a few bigger commercial films and then maybe mm-hmm. one or two awards contenders. Well, the actual three that are wide release on Christmas Day, Boys in the Boat, which was directed by George Clooney and it is a big um, push for MGM, The Color Purple, which is a big musical adaptation of the classic Alice Walker book, and Ferrari with Adam Driver from Michael Mann. Those, not, those all have commercial appeal, yeah. but they're not... They're not Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which comes out the Friday before. You know, that's the Aquaman. Just my wife asked me if I got a screener for Aquaman. I was like, that's not the film. <laughs> Warner Brothers is going to push for for your consideration season. No, that's, that in, in that's the, the film they're putting out because they have to. Like, I rewatched the first one this morning. <sighs> my God. And you loved it. You changed your mind. You were like, what a spectacle. <laughs> sure. sure, okay. sure. Well, uh, that'll uh, do it for this week. Do you have any other thoughts about these uh, three movies or the onslaught we're about to experience? Well, I'm here for the high concept movies. So I just, as long as people take a little more time to like write them and, and really think about how to execute the concept. That, yeah. I mean, I can't wait for you to see American fiction. I'm really excited about that one. When is that more widely accessible? I think uh, at the end of December is when it's going wider. But if you see it in limited, I've already already been there, done that. Okay. Uh, So it's it's an exciting uh, season. Um, We are still, you know, because there are so many things releasing and releasing different things in different parts of the country. Eric is not too far from uh, the metropolis of Atlanta and it's screener mountain season for me. So I, I wait for, see what presents I get in my mail or electronic mail. Um, so we don't know hundred percent what we're going to do next week, um, but probably boy in the heron, mm. uh, which should be a wide release uh, next week. And then we'll see what other uh things come out um you know it's it's going to be a wonderful time if you really enjoy film this is going to be a big and diverse month that has a lot of different offerings looking forward to diving in and checking them out and hey we even get a new Zack snyder film this month oh yeah netflix other big oh. release two days after maestro we get rebel moon part one and you know part- what I have to be honest. I'm almost more excited for <laughs> Oh, no. I'm way more excited to see what Bradley Cooper does. But... Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, um, some, something about the idea that this is Zack Snyder's take on Star Wars. Like, he's low-key admitted that this was... It's like the leftovers of when he was on board to do a Star Wars project are absorbed into this. Like, what is that going to do? Like, that's going to be polarized immediately online. Next, Netflix is nothing if not good at building the hype machine. Because I don't know if you have looked at your Netflix subscription recently, but as of December 1st, all of the Snyderverse films are now available to stream on Netflix. What? Yes. They're there, which means uh, Max must have given them up for. Yeah, how? Like, okay. I know. The only one it looks like they held was Aquaman. Oh, no. 
probably because the sequel's coming out. Um, but yeah, Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, Justice League. I saw them all pop up in my new on Netflix feed. Wow. Yeah, so they're getting they're leaning, they're leaning all in. They're leaning all in. Well, that'll do it for us uh, today. Um, you guys have a wonderful week. May the odds be ever in your favor as you try to navigate the crowded cinemas and the even more crowded shopping landscape. When you need a break from seeing 700 cars in 300 spots at your local Target, just watch 700 walk movies. Over, walk over. Yeah, watch 700 movies. Uh, until next week, we will see you at the movies.